This is the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast, episode 28. Bricks Cascade Insider, Lego Games, Mock Themes, and Convention Countdown. The secret title of today's episode is the Bricks Cascade Pre-Pre-Flight Check. We are currently about six weeks out from Portland, Oregon's annual Bricks Cascade Lego Convention. And I'm doing this episode now so that if... Attending Bricks Cascade sounds like fun to you, and believe me, it is. This should give you enough time to look further into it on your own, and possibly make plans to attend. The Disclaimer Lego is a trademark of the Lego Group of Companies, which does not sponsor, authorize, or endorse this podcast. Are you ready to listen to the world's number one Lego podcast? Recorded in my apartment. Podcasting is awesome. Especially when it's about the Lego fan scene. Podcasting is awesome. Hey, check out this audio stream. Welcome to the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast. My name is Mike Sneathan. I'm your host. Let's get right into it. I will be talking about Bricks Cascade in this episode. Bricks Cascade is my home convention. According to Google Maps, it's just right at 50 miles away from me. I've attended every Bricks Cascade since the convention's third appearance back in 2014. Bricks Cascade is the convention that I have been the most a part of, aside from simply attending having been the Superheroes theme coordinator for the event from 2015 to 2019. It's been voted one of the 50 best events in Oregon by the Oregonian, the longest-running newspaper in the state. Bricks Cascade is, quite simply, my favorite LEGO convention. The four-day-long convention for adult fans of LEGO starts on March 21st and runs through March 24th this year. Those two final days, March 23rd and 24th, are also a public exhibition where the public can buy tickets and come see all of the mocks that the convention attendees have on display. The theme for the 2024 convention is Rose City. For non-locals, Rose City is one of the two most common nicknames for Portland, along with the city's official nickname, the City of Roses. Right now, there are 327 people registered to attend Bricks Cascade 2024. By the time everything was counted at last year's convention, our registered attendees numbered 577. So, what all goes on at Bricks Cascade? Networking, mock displays, presentations and workshops, games, door prizes. Bricks Cascade has an unofficial policy that every attendee goes home with a door prize. Buying Lego and Lego accessories. These are just some of what you can expect at Bricks Cascade. The majority of Thursday is devoted to mock setup. Arrive at the convention center. Flag down the theme coordinator appropriate to your mock or mocks. Find out where they want you to set up and then get to work, putting your builds on display. Thursday evening, there is usually a meet and greet style social gathering that is built upon the principles of free pizza and other tasty foodstuffs. 
Friday is when things really begin to kick into gear. Friday is when both games and presentations usually start. What kind of presentations are we getting this year? Absolutely no idea. The past several conventions have included appearances by a contingent of participants from the LEGO Masters TV series, so I'd be very surprised if that didn't happen again. For probably 90-plus percent of convention attendees, one of the highlights are the games. How often do you get the chance to sit down and play fun, LEGO-based games with your fellow AFOLs? Well, that probably depends on how many LEGO conventions you attend. I have attended something like 15 in-person LEGO fan conventions now, and not counting the drafts and Dirty Brickster, which are often included in the game's listing, but are more accurately activities than proper games, I have played a grand total of zero games at these events. Whenever I've mentioned this to people, they always look at me shocked and aghast. Very few of the games are geared towards my strengths as a builder. The speed build? Not my thing. Now, if they had the slow and meticulous build wherein one stops for occasional breaks, that I'd enter. That I might win. Anyway, I thought I'd give you a quick rundown of the games listed for this year on the Bricks Cascade website. LEGO has a product line called the Creator 3-in-1 Sets. These sets are a box of parts with three different sets of instructions, allowing you to build three different things with those parts, although only one of those things at a time. Bricks Cascade has a game called the 3-in-1, in which each player is given one of those Creator 3-in-1 sets and participates in a race to complete all three versions. Build the first thing, have one of the judges come over and confirm that you've built it correctly, then disassemble it and build the second thing. After a judge confirms that you've built that one correctly, tear it down again and build the third and final thing. If you're the first player to have that third thing built and verified, you win! The next game on their list is called 99 Pieces. For this game, you're not provided with stuff, you have to bring your own. You bring exactly 99 Lego pieces from your own collection, and then you will be challenged. You will be given an idea, or a theme, or something along those lines, and three minutes of build time. You will then build your best possible mock based on that idea or theme, using the 99 pieces that you have brought with you. This will be a head-to-head -head competition against other builders. The audience will choose their favorite constructions, and then you will take your mock apart and get ready to build for the next challenge. There will be several different challenges to undertake, and the builder with the most points, as voted on by the audience, wins. The Blind Build. This is a classic LEGO convention game. Players are seated with a shroud placed before them that their hands can fit through, but that cannot be seen through. The instructions to build the set are outside so that you can easily see them. The pieces, however, are all inside so that you can feel them but not see them. You have to build the set by touch alone. Another classic game is the box build, where players are given a set but not the instructions, just the box. 
They must then build the set based solely on the picture of it on the box. Like you used to do with jigsaw puzzles back in the day. Build in a bag. For build in a bag, you are handed a Ziploc bag containing all the pieces from a set. And then you have to build the set as quickly as you can without opening the bag. The Builder Dash. Just looking at the description of this makes my knee hurt. Players are given a set. The pieces are placed on a table on one side of the room and the instructions on the other side. Players must then race back and forth to complete the set as quickly as possible. No, thank you. Brick Derby. This is the Lego version of the classic Pinewood Derby. The convention supplies the track. The attendees playing this game supply the racers. It's a head-to-head -head race. Winners advance. Losers, well, losers crash. And there are a number of stipulations regarding the particular car that you bring. The car is to be built solely from Lego elements. The car cannot weigh more than 10 ounces. It must fit inside a box with a 9 stud by 23 stud interior. There is no height limit. The car must have a space underneath to clear the track. Minimum 5 studs between left and right wheels. Minimum 2 plates high. The car must be purely gravity powered. For example, there is no wind-up springs or motors or anything like that. Springs for suspension are allowed. Any lubricants used must be dry, graphite, silicone, Teflon, etc. We're doing these alphabetically, and we are going to skip the descriptions of Dirty Brickster and the draft for the moment. We'll come back to those. Freestyle build. Players are given a set, or sometimes two sets, and a theme. They will then use the pieces from that set or those sets and freestyle build according to the theme. Creations will be judged on creativity, originality, and overall number of pieces used. If I was going to play a game, this is probably what I would do. This seems like the closest thing there is to a game that would be inside my wheelhouse. Lights on, lights off. In this game, you are being taught karate by Mr. Miyagi. Wait, no, that's a different thing. That's wax on, wax off. Let me start over. Lights on, lights off. In this game, you are provided a set, and you are given some time to study the instructions with the lights on. No building during this period. And then they turn the lights off and you must blindly build the set based on your memory of the instructions until the lights are turned back on and you are given more time to study the instructions and make corrections that you might need to make to your build. And then the lights go off again. And this cycle repeats until you have a winner. The one-handed build. There's a joke to be made here, but I'm trying to keep the podcast family friendly, so let's just move on to the rules. Players are allowed to use only one hand for building. Two hands may be used to open the box and the baggies, but once the building begins, only one hand may be over the table surface at a time, with time penalties assessed for all violations of this rule. Time penalty doubles with each violation, so the first violation adds 10 seconds to your time, second violation adds 10 seconds, third violation 20, then 40, and so on. The pair build. 
No, you are not building a sweet, juicy pear. Two players sit facing each other with a shroud between them. One has the instructions and the other has the brick. One player gives verbal instructions without seeing the brick or the progress, and the other builds based off the verbal instructions without seeing the physical instructions. The pair can only communicate verbally. Speed build. Players are given a set to build as quickly as possible. That is the exact opposite of a game suited to my skills, as I believe I indicated earlier. Standing speed build. This one also seems more challenging than I would be comfortable with. Players are given a set to build as quickly as possible while holding all of the pieces to the set in their hands. If any piece falls, they must quickly pick them up before they resume building. Again, no thank you. Team speed build. For the team speed build, you gather a group of people. If memory serves, it's either five or six people to a team. Each team gets a large Lego set. Then it pretty much works like any other speed build. They start the timer and you start building. In the aftermath of the team speed build, the team divides up the parts from the large set among them. Sometimes draft style, sometimes other ways. I don't know. I'm not a team speed builder, so I don't know all of their secret methods. Techno challenge. Players are given a Technic set and must build something other than that set. Creations will be judged on creativity, originality, and overall pieces used. Wacky racers. Bring a wheeled, or just round, vehicle to roll down the wacky race ramp. All entries must have a pilot and be powered only by gravity. And the final game on the list, The Claw. Two players sit facing each other with a shroud between them. One of the players has their hands through their shroud to build the set and is not allowed to see their hands, the pieces, or the instructions. The other player can see the hands, the set, and the instructions. Players must verbally communicate so that the hands can build the set as quickly and accurately as possible. As I'm sure you've figured out, I've never played the claw. I also have not seen the claw played. But I would imagine that the key to success in playing this game would be quoting from the claw machine scene in Toy Story while you play. Okay, back to Dirty Brickster. Anyone who is familiar with the classic White Elephant game, that's what Dirty Brickster is, only it's been reskinned for Lego. Everybody brings a wrapped gift and puts it on the table. The players sit, usually in a big wide circle around that table, and then, starting with one, in turn, they choose to either open one of those gifts or steal a gift that has already been opened. First player has to open because there are no open gifts available to steal at that point. The third time that a gift gets stolen, it becomes locked and cannot be stolen again. The person who has a gift stolen from them immediately gets a new turn with the option of either opening a new gift or stealing someone else's gift. You cannot directly steal back a gift that was just stolen from you. 
If you steal, the person you stole it from has another turn before the legitimate circle continues. When all the players have taken their turns, the first player has the option to steal any of the unlocked gifts, at which point the game ends. Right now, on the Bricks Cascade website, in the description of Dirty Brickster, it says that you are to bring a wrapped Lego-related gift with a value of at least $10, and you are admonished not to bring a gag gift, because everybody deserves to take a gift home and feel like they didn't lose. So, for the tomfools among you, kindly leave your tomfoolery at home. The Draft I can kind of understand the temptation to list Dirty Brickster in the game section. It does have some game-like aspects to it. But why the drafts are in games, I have absolutely no idea. Makes no sense to me. Traditionally, Bricks Cascade hosts two separate drafts. It's been a long while since I've drafted at a convention. But back when I still did... The sets were usually around $25 for the smaller of the two drafts and 40 for the larger. I would expect that inflation has invalidated those price points by now. Everybody brings a brand new, still-sealed copy of the set that is to be drafted. And when it's draft time, all those sets are opened and all of the parts in that set are sorted into a series of containers that are set up on the table for you. Once everything has been sorted... All of the red 2x4 bricks from all copies of the set in one container. All the black 1x8 tiles from all the sets in its own container, and so on and so forth. Everybody draws lots to get their number. They start at 1, go up to however many players there are. Let's say 8 in this instance. And then, the players, in turn, select a container of elements which they will be taking home with them. They go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then eight gets a second pick, and the line continues in reverse order. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. One gets a second pick, and we reverse the order again, going up the line. Two, three, four, five, etc until every container of elements has been taken. The last container of elements, usually Technic pins. And then afterwards, people who are disgruntled because they didn't get the piece they wanted often do a little bit of horse trading, saying, okay, I'll give you some of these if you give me some of those. So yeah, drafts are fun, and a good way to get a bunch of a specific part. Then there's the Exhibition Hall, the place you set up your mocks to be admired, first by your fellow convention attendees, and then on the public days by anyone from the outside world interested enough in LEGO to have purchased a ticket. And as always, these mocks are categorized and arranged by theme. When you register your mock for display at the convention, you have to select the theme for it which typically means that when you're deciding what to build for a convention, you're building for a specific theme. My desire to build superhero mocks was what made me volunteer to become a theme coordinator and start the superheroes theme way back in 2015. 
So that's the kind of thing that happens to you if there isn't a theme that works for what you want to build. The themes this year, architecture, the description of which reads, replicas of notable buildings or new creations of architectural inspiration. Art, amazing creations of color and form, all from the brick. Some of the things that you'll see in art are mosaics. The majority of mosaics live in the art section, unless they are specific to another category, and then it's a toss-up as to where they'll show up. A lot of your more sculptural mocks you'll find in art. Basically, just the stuff that has the requisite artistic je ne sais quoi. Battle. Replicas of battle scenes past, modern, and future. Bring your buildings, troops, and armor, and let's throw down. Multiple factions means more action. Bionicle. Creatures and figures from Bionicle and Hero Factory elements. Castle slash pirate. In previous years, these were, I believe, two separate categories, but they have recently merged. Original medieval scenes from the Age of Adventure, Wizards, Knights, Castles, Villages, and Pirates. Classic. Classic is traditionally not mocks. The description here is, The classic sets and creations from our childhood built again for all to see. Sometimes, prior to the con, the classic theme will announce a mock challenge or contest or collaborative build. Having people build mocks based on a theme from a specific era, or even one particular classic set. But it's primarily just an, oh my god, I remember building that set when I was a kid, sort of thing. Cosplay. Cosplay is traditionally divided up into two separate categories, one of which is people cosplaying either Lego characters, or non-Lego characters, but their costumes are made of Lego, or sometimes both at once, the other half of cosplay is brick-built props displayed on the tables in the cosplay theme area. No modern guns, because that's a no-no with the conventions. But yeah, we'll see swords and sci-fi style gadgets and all sorts of things from all areas of pop culture. Built more or less one-to-one -one scale, real size. Jurassic Park. The theme 65 million years in the making. All things Jurassic Park and dinosaur adjacent. If you would like to contribute to the collaborative, please contact the theme coordinator in advance. Jurassic Park started out as a collaborative build under the jurisdiction of pop culture, which we'll get to in a moment. And over the years, it has gotten bigger and bigger, until suddenly last year it became its own theme unto itself. It is incredibly and meticulously planned out ahead of time, and taken as a whole, it is one of the most spectacular things at Bricks Cascade. It's just an absolute incredible display. Mecha. Mechanical characters and mechanized suits of armor. So, your basic robots and powered battle armor and mechanized combat suits and all that sort of good stuff. Microscale. Cities, ships, castles, all of tiny proportions. So think teeny tiny mocks. In the very specific Micropolis scale, 
which is only one of the teeny tiny scales that can be represented here. Your average automobile is usually one stud wide, two studs long, and two plates high. Like I said, tiny. Mixed. Lego creations so unique and amazing as to defy classification. Those of us who are more cynical would refer to this simply as a dumping ground for mocks that don't fit anywhere else. I think if I were to have something in Mixed, I would be building something specifically for Mixed. There's one other thing that lands in Mixed, and I will talk about that in a little bit. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Vehicles of all type in minifigure scale to move around our town and country landscape, and boats for the harbor. Photography. Capturing images of Lego in a new medium. Whereas the majority of the themes at Bricks Cascade are, these are things that are built from brick. Photography is, these are photos of things that are built from brick. Entries in photography are usually along the back wall adjacent to the art section, sometimes framed, sometimes not. It utilizes a different skill set. If I had great photography skills, I would be entering stuff there. But I do not. Pop culture. And in parentheses behind pop culture, it says, including superhero. It's said that ever since they took the superhero theme and folded it into pop culture. The description. Creations inspired by movies, video games, and other pop culture phenomenon. Including superhero. Post-apocalypse. Dystopian futures, alternate realities with a disaster theme. Post-apocalypse is notably the home of the Dream Bunkers collaborative build. Space, or as AFOLs tend to pronounce it, space. Spaceships, moon bases, alien vessels, distant colonies, and other sci-fi creations. Star Wars. All things Star Wars. Star Wars mocks used to be in space a long, long time ago. A galaxy far, far away. But they have since split off into their own theme, much like Jurassic Park split off from pop culture. Steampunk. Sophisticated technological constructs built with gears and wood. Technic. Gears, axles, and linkages that allow these creations to move and flex. And the final theme is town and country. Builds that create a cohesive city, complete with roads and countryside landscaping, built roughly to minifig scale, including structures around our harbor for nautical builds. We supply the roads, railways, and water. Builders fill in the rest. Okay. Now I feel it is time to address the aardvark in the room. Yes, I know. Rooms like this traditionally have an elephant in them. But the elephant couldn't make it in today, so the aardvark is filling in for him. As I mentioned earlier, when you register your mock at Bricks Cascade, you are asked to choose what theme it goes into. This is done on the mock registration page, via a drop-down menu, which contains a listing of all that year's themes. And a lot of times, people will somehow manage to skip that step. I'm not really sure how or why that happens, 
Maybe they're in too big a hurry. Maybe they simply don't notice the drop-down box. Maybe they haven't yet fully decided what category their mock best fits in, and having left that decision to the last moment, fail to make it at all. Whatever the reason, there are a lot of mocks that get registered without their building selecting a theme for them. If you don't select a theme for your mock, it defaults to whatever theme is at the top of the list. And for the longest time, that theme was architecture. This meant that the poor architecture theme coordinators were stuck year after year with innumerous mocks meant for other categories, but registered by default in the one that they were running. So a couple of years ago, the convention committee devised a solution for this issue. They added a dummy category to the list of names, a category whose name would, alphabetically, come before architecture. That dummy theme was called Ardvark. When I first heard about this, I found it to be equal parts ingenious and hilarious. Ardvark. The convention had a dummy theme called Ardvark. What will they think of next? Now, if you don't select an actual official theme for your mock, straight into Ardvark it went. For the most part, the new system works like it's supposed to. Convention personnel can tell what mocks are the poor, unfortunate, themeless ones by printing out a list of the mocks in the Ardvark theme. Then, of course, the inevitable happened, and people, a few people, not a lot, started to build mocks using an Ardvark motif, which they then very purposely registered as part of the Ardvark theme. They would then show up to the convention, snickering, mock in hand, saying, this goes in Ardvark. Where is the Ardvark theme section this year? Yeah, these are my people. Given that there is no Ardvark section, most of those mocks ended up in the mixed theme. Unless there's a clear indicator that it belongs to a specific secondary theme, in which case it probably goes there. I've built one mock registered and intended for Ardvark, and it went into art last year. So last year I got to thinking. Rick's Cascade is, I believe, the only LEGO convention to have an Ardvark theme. Which means that the Ardvark is something that is specifically unique to this convention. And that realization prompted me to ask the question, why isn't the Ardvark the official mascot of Bricks Cascade? And I wasn't just talking to myself. I actually started asking people this, but nobody had an answer for me. After the con, I would frequent the Bricks Cascade Discord and I'd make the case that the convention should accept the Ardvark as its official mascot. There were some people who were amused by this notion. There were some people who thought it was a good idea. The majority of people just tried to ignore me, which is completely understandable. But, Bricks Cascade 2024 is coming up fast. And I have decided it is time to restart the Ardvark for Mascot campaign. I have designed a brick-built Ardvark head that fits atop a minifigure torso. Pictures of that will very shortly be going up on both the Bricks Cascade Discord and the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast's Instagram account. Initially, 
I did this because I'm planning to build an aardvark-themed mock to register in the aardvark theme. But if people wanted to add their own aardvark figs to their mocks to show support for the aardvark for mascot campaign, so much the better. I'm hoping to have more news on exactly what the aardvark-themed mock is going to be at the end of next week's episode. But yeah, aardvark for mascot. More information about Rick's Cascade 2024 can be found on their official website at www.rickscascade.com. One other convention topic I should probably address. While I am a registered attendee at this year's Rick's Cascade, I'm not actually going to be at the convention. I bought myself a half-price display-only membership, which allows me to display mocks, but disqualifies me from games and door prizes. I'll be sending my mocks up with my friend Kyle and staying at home without the need for expensive hotel room and other expenses that I simply cannot afford this year. The fledgling What I'm Currently Building segment will be back again at the end of next week's episode. Speaking of next week's episode, next week I'll be talking about why you should and how you can build in the theme of Lego Star Trek. Links to the podcast's social media and wish lists can be found at battlegorilla.com slash links. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure and tell all your friends to take a listen. And if you hate it, well, why not recommend it to your enemies? The podcast's intro and outro themes, Podcasting is Awesome, inspired by Tegan and Sarah's Everything is Awesome, and Ode to Gibberish, were created by Michael Reinch. I think I just closed Pandora's box And I want to know if you can punch a sucker How else would you know that I've done everything except any of it You can have your bald eagle afraid of fire And you can eat it too And there could be so much joy And I want my libido well How else, I mean Wish me luck on the prayers for junk food And 